Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty's Social Impact Pioneers podcast series. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. These interviews with social impact pioneers provide you with insights, different perspectives, advice, and maybe a little inspiration, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision-making and action-taking. There are an estimated 1 billion people globally experiencing some form of disability. Accessibility issues are inherently personal. Everyone is different. But with so many people facing extra challenges to navigate our world, how can we better support each other? Well, first of all, we need to deeply understand one another. And that's what my social impact pioneer and special guest of today's podcast is all about. Today, we're going to hear the first-hand experiences of what prejudice, the lack of forethought, and systemic institutional barriers really feel like. Meet Kerry Davies. Kerry has cerebral palsy, tethered cord syndrome, and sclerosis. But don't let these big words imply that Kerry isn't a force of nature. Kerry has founded and runs her own social enterprise, named More Mascots, Please. She has a master's in youth and community work. She advises and advocates. And last year, she was awarded the British Empire Medal from Her Majesty the Queen for all the charitable work that she has done to support disabled, disadvantaged and life-limited children and their families. Kerry joins us today to talk about her lived experience and how we can all work harder to enable everyone to live their fullest lives. Kerry, welcome. Thank you. Uh, It's great to be here. I'm delighted. And and Kerry and I have known each other for a long time, but um, we waited for ages to finally sit down and have this uh, conversation. So I'm proper excited. Kerry, for everybody else who doesn't know you, could you tell us a bit about yourself and also why you come to be lecturing on lived experience? I decided to become involved in lived experience because I was fed up of repeated discrimination from employers judging me due to my disability. I decided to represent those who rely on care and support to live their daily lives and get paid for it while delivering lived experience with a number of universities This is because I felt inequality when dealing with mainstream employers who weren't even giving me an interview, even though they knew my experience, history, and most importantly, my ability. God, to have felt that firsthand, Kerry, um, again and again. And and as I said, you and I have known each other for quite a long time. And I, I still remember back in the day, I mean, I think, I can't remember where you were going, perhaps to a job centre or something, and you were saying how you rocked up and they just talked to the carers, though you didn't have, a, you couldn't speak or you just didn't have a voice at all. And just that frustration, I can't even imagine it. Yes, I often, um, everywhere I go, people um, speak to my personal assistant rather than me. So I always end up redirecting people to speak to myself. 
I wouldn't like to get the sharp end of your tongue, Carrie. <laughs> that redirecting, I, I can imagine, might be quite forceful. <laughs> um, Carrie, my second question for us today, or for you, I know that you've particularly been working on adult care and the support systems in the UK. The Business Fights Poverty community, we're a global audience. How does the UK experience, how does your experience sort of currently look and, and feel like? I think we need to be looking towards disabled persons organisations such as TILA in the UK, which is Think Local Personal, Social Care Futures and Impact, who are all organisations run for disabled people by disabled people, um, shaping our future services and listening to disabled people and doing what we call co-production, which means that life is about living, not just receiving a service. It feels like it's a one-way system and the government simply aren't listening. So that's what we want to change. I know that other places in the world might have got it a bit better, potentially. Do you have any sort of examples of where either countries or locations have got it particularly well? sort of covered in terms of that adult care the support that you need what might that look like or or, or feel like it was only from a brief experience but I'd say when I went there with with O2 feet big to one young world and there was a airport um detour outside Germany it was a lot more organized there was a special section for disabled people there was rest places for them to lie down I think what the trouble with the with the UK system is it's always about proving that you're disabled constantly all the time and about reassessment and proving that you're not suddenly um going to get up and walk down the road which at the end of the day don't I think disabled people would inform the government if that was the case I'd love to get up and walk down the road, but the fact is I'm only going to become more disabled as I get older and things are going to get worse, not better. It's always having to prove that you, you're worth that level of investment and we need to be talking about what social care brings to society, not what it takes away, because it's worth billions of pounds, but nobody talks about that in the mainstream media. They only talk about what disabled people take away from the system, not what they're put into it. And I really think that is disgusting. And then that is also brought into within the benefit system where you'll see people with mental health problems they'll commit suicide because they've been so badly treated because the government find that hard to believe it's possible for them when there's no um, physical disability and there's been multiple suicides when they should have been prevented because we need to reskill people that everyone, but especially people that work for the department pensions. So, Kerry, building on that, I mean, obviously that kind of experience of of things seeing and feeling things being better elsewhere, but also those frustrations that you've had around. I guess just the perception of people, as you said, you know, with disabilities being a drain rather than actually an asset and able to contribute. 
How would you like to see the UK improve? What would be your kind of recommendations if, if you could, you know, wield the policy and the money and, and decision making? I really feel like the UK is a postcode lottery and it depends what local authority you live in as to what you funding you get from the government. There's so much debate between the joined up services of health and social care. Even further, when your needs are severe, it's very difficult to get on to continuing health care, which I've received. I've recently had a budget increase and I'm still not living independently. And that increase actually took 12 months to go through the system. Um, I also want to see a rise in wages for those that work in health and social care. I don't want it to be a temporary fix that people just engaging for a short-term purpose and then move on because without that assistance, there's many people like me that can't run their daily lives. We shouldn't be expected to have to pay our personal assistance minimum wage and they shouldn't have to be expected to take minimum wage. It just isn't fair and isn't right. They should be on the the living wage at least, especially when it comes to living independently. And I think those in power don't realise how hard it is to have someone with a disability in the family, whether that's a child or an adult or an elderly person, how how draining that could be. If I think about my mum as an unpaid carer, she's on about 23p an hour for what she does for me, which is absolutely ridiculous. And you'll see a lot of parent carers regularly writing poems about how much they have to give to the children and how it how if you went to work for somebody, yeah. n- nobody would ex- be expected to work those hours and, and receive that kind of pay. I think there needs to be those, those in power need to have their own lived experience and then a lot a lot would change. Yeah, twenty three P an hour when you're in a country that supposedly has a, a you know social care and, and health service. <laughs> it doesn't give much hate for anybody else really. And I mean we particularly work and support businesses so multinational businesses who are looking at supporting people in emerging markets and other like across different sort of jurisdictions as much as anything knowing that to your point you're not even managing to get your PA to have a living wage here in the UK and and by the way I'm going to put in a link to the living wage uh, report that we've recently done that's trying to build a case for that and um everybody listening I'll put that into the words that sit alongside so that you can have a look too so if you were sat in a business Kerry and making decisions or advising the decision makers in those businesses about how to better support their the people with accessibility issues or indeed just engage more people what what would you do what would you say to them I'd say go straight to disabled persons organizations Never judge a book by its cover and see disabled people as influencers and as consumers like anybody else. 
but if big multinational organisations like what you work with actually listen to disabled persons organisations, then you would see a lot more disabled people in top jobs and you get with big national multi multi corporations, you tend to get one or two disabled people that work within the organisation. But what I'd like to see is for that workforce number two to go up dramatically. And as one of my colleagues says all the time, we have to co-produce, we have to work with others who aren't disabled so that they can see that disabled people bring added value. But we shouldn't even have to have the conversation. But somebody looks at me and assumes that I can't. And those that I've had successful, meaningful relationships for the whole of my life been those people who have shown that they believe in me and their relationships that last for life. And this is what big national multi-companies need to do. So watch the space, everybody. Kerry's coming to get you. (laughs) But as you say, Kerry, that kind of the fact that you're having to fight your corner before you even start to justify that you are able to do stuff. And and, I mean, just must be exhausting. So tiring. And and on that one, I, I guess from that unique vantage point that you have, that place where you see the world perhaps, you know, a bit differently from others because of that lived experience that you have. What are the trends that you're seeing or that other, what's the experiences that you're seeing that perhaps others are, just aren't able to, to experience and see at the moment that you want to share with them to, to open their eyes to? I want to help to prevent discrimination. We live in a very ableist world that means that everybody only sees people with any valuable from an ableist perspective when we actually say we uh, need to make change and DPOs put down what needs to happen, I actually want to see that come into place. We want disabled people to be considered as being someone's wife, mother, daughter, friend, and someone that is cared for like anybody else. I just want disabled people to be seen as influencers and campaigners and change makers and and you are one of them <laughs> and so my question for you then to close off this conversation today is what is next for you so I need to learn to become a better activist from those that have been in it for many years delivering lived experience sessions at multiple universities and ensure that the national projects that I mean, such as impact being one of many, achieve their targets within uh, the next four years. What would be the dream for me would be getting a full-time job in lived experience and then recruiting, recruiting volunteers to help me run my small social enterprise. So that would be the perfect reality for me. I'm not sure it's ever going to happen, but I'm never going to stop trying until it actually does. 
Oh, and you've got to tell, you've got to speak it into reality, Kerry, anyway. So you've just spoken it into reality here. For anybody who's listening, if you want to learn more about Kerry's work and um, that kind of lived experience, the lived experience sessions that she mentioned there, do take a look at the links I'm going to pop into the chat or into the words that sit alongside this podcast. And Kerry, you very quietly dropped in there at the end, your social enterprise. Uh, Do you want to just give a plug to more mascots? So my social enterprise and what I set up to cope and in memory of some very important people is more mascots, please, CIC, which is moremascotsplease.co.uk. At more mascots PLS on Twitter, more mascots please on on Instagram. So follow us, and through that you'll be making difference to both children and unpaid carers. Wonderful, thank you so much, Kerry. And on that note, I'm going to close our conversation today. Kerry Davis, thank you so much for giving your time and joining us today. Thank you. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 